millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. NXT TakeOver is dead, and apparently, according to the rumor mill, so are the WWE NXT careers of Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano. But we don't know that for sure. We all have to be patient and wait and see. This is what I do when I'm being patient. I have no idea why my leg is up in the air. You probably couldn't even see it. And clearly, I'm so passionate about this. My throat just went weird then. I'm just a human being. Bad things happen. But it is a brand new special NXT paperover thingamajig. So we now have to decide whether the good bits get it up or whether the bad bits get it down. That's not it right at all. The ups always... I don't know what I'm talking about. It's been a very long weekend. I don't know what's happening. Wrestling just keeps coming at you like a train. Let's just up those downs. But NXT, no takeover. War guys. Right, okay. I always find it a little bit weird when we have the same stipulation twice on the same show. I mean, it's long overdue that WWE started doing women's versions of these matches. And with something like the Royal Rumble, I think you can get away with it. But when you do it with war games, as we did on this night, I just think it can be a little bit of a struggle because you do get a crossing of the streams and I always feel like one match suffers. So case in point, our first match was indeed Cora Jade, Raquel Gonzalez, Io Shirai, and Kaylee Ray taking on Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, JC James, and Dakota Kai in a special war games match. And do not get me wrong, they kicked each other's asses throughout all of this, and there's one particular spot that we absolutely will talk about, but it also had a little bit of a stupid finish, so it was kind of a roller coaster ride. Kaylee Ray and Dakota Kai started, and one of them was wielding a baseball bat, and the other one was wielding a kendo sticks, because when war games goes war games, you have to go all war games. I mean, after all, when have you ever gone to a war and not have a weapon? I mean, that's not the case when you go to a game. Like, if you turn up at a football match with a weapon, you're definitely going to be arrested. Jade was the next person in. I'm going to be that massive nerd right now, but I never think it works when the babyface have a two-on-one advantage because, of course, you start feeling sympathy for the heel unless you're deep down a very bad person. Now, once again, why did we do it here? So we could do the reverse in the men's one later. But what did I say all of a few seconds ago? What was that? I ain't doing it again. Thankfully, Gigi was in before long to balance out the books, and she came in there with a trash can. (laughs) It didn't work at all, because she had the trash can put on her head, and then somebody drop-kicked her. I would say right in the face, but that's not true. I mean, they drop-kicked the metal, and it probably shattered her nose. Io Shirai flew in next, and her weapon of choice was a steel chair. And at this point, things did slow down just a little bit. Like instead of being all wham, bam, thank you, man, which is kind of what you want because war games needs to be about escalation. It felt like they were waiting for the next participant 
this is why I wasn't 100% feeling it from start to finish. Stacey Jane followed and she brought a table into the ring as all of this started to feel more like Streets of Rage. But very sadly, it didn't work because the tables <laughs> were turned against her. I'm here all week. Shirai also started out busting out knees through trash can lids. And what a sentence that is. And this is when Cora Drade climbed to the top of the cage and you just knew something crazy was going to happen. Because she went crashing down on top of Jane with a flipping scent on bomb. And I'm sorry, there are a thousand things that could go wrong when you do do that. And given that she sold the entire rest of the match like, oh, I've hurt my shoulder, I've hurt my shoulder, you could totally believe that she'd hurt her shoulder. And I'm sorry, when people go to that much effort and you really don't know how terrifying that is unless you stood on the top of a steel cage, you have got to give it up. Gonzalez was then allowed in and she just basically brought every single weapon with her. Although what she decided to settle on was a fire extinguisher. And that's like going to a knife fight and going, ha I've got a spoon. This also built to Mandy Rose being the last person into the War Games match, meaning the War Games rules were now live. But she didn't bring anything with her. I mean, couldn't she at least have brought a balloon? I mean, come, you go. it's like going to a party and not turning up with any cake. Someone is gonna be disappointed that somebody would be me. Everyone was then just smacking everybody else with whatever they could find as Jade continues to go, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain. Although she still got a kendo stick and started swinging it like her life depended on it. And this is also where the war games klaxon sounded, I suppose, because everybody started to hit their big move. And this is when we got the finish. And honestly, it really did come out of nowhere. Because Jane and Gonzalez took each other out with these kind of big boots. And then Jade was watching on. And because she was kind of in the corner, she went, well, that person is down. Why don't I just crawl over to her and pin her? So she did, and she got the one, two, three. Now, on the one hand, that was a nice way to balance the books because we had had this insane dive. And also, what is the point of wrestling to get the pin? So if you see a pin, you should go and take the pin. But it's the equivalent of going to watch a rom-com. And halfway through, the couple just goes, man, all of this is silly, isn't it? The other person goes, yes. Shall we just get together? We should. It's like, no, I want to have all the stupid stuff before we do get there because that's just how it works. So it was still a lot of fun to watch, but afterwards I actually felt a little bit disappointed because we deflated instead of inflated. And look, I know a lot of people like this because it was different and wahoo, hey, that gets a couple of thumbs up. But overall, I just didn't think it matched the standards of admittedly the exceptionally high bar. That's why we've got to give it a down. The NXT titles are on the line next as Kyle O'Reilly team with Von Wagner. I suppose we can call them Carl O. Wagner. That doesn't work at all. But they were taken on Imperium. This rocked up. As ever, the big question from start to finish, if you're a nerd like me, is, oh my gosh, is this one of the last times we're going to see Kyle O'Reilly in NXT? And given that he threw up the undisputed hand signal at the end of this... Well, maybe he was teasing something, but admittedly, that could go either way. Imperium are such a good team as well. I mean, they are so vastly underrated, which they proved here almost instantly, because they were tagging in and they were tagging out, and they may as well have a sign that said, we know how to be a good tag team. Why don't you give us some respect? I mean, have to cut it down because the piece of paper would be big, but they are right. And really, the whole premise to this, especially when we got started, was that every time O'Reilly was in there, he kind of got overwhelmed by the champs, meaning Von Wagner had to tag in and use his size to start balancing the books. This also built to, at one point, Fabian and Von facing off. 
because of course they're big dudes and you know how WWE feels about big dudes much like Big E they just want man slapping man beat O'Reilly was soon back in after that but once again he was like oh no I'm being beaten up so we had to get Vonnie Boy back in there so he grabbed Imperium and he just started chucking them around as I sat there going hey hey Wagner remember that time you were on Smackdown and then you just vanished again I realized he couldn't hear me because I was sat here in my lounge in the UK. Finally, Carl got his due as he started busting out submissions, but then he got cut off by a massive lariat, Curtis of Eichner. <laughs> you already know what happened. It happens in every single tag team match in all of professional wrestling. The tag claxon went off, and everyone got in there and started hitting their big moves. It's all built to the fact that O'Reilly and Wagner did hit this high-low move, though, but Eichner had distracted the referee, which meant it ended in a near fall, that old chestnut. Carl came alive after this, too, with a brain buster and yet more submissions. But again, what was the whole point of this show? It was new school versus old school, and we had tried to get new school over. I suppose you'd put Imperium in that bracket, but maybe not. But they hit their Imperial bomb, and they got the one, two, three. They are still your champions. Because NXT 2.0 is absolutely obsessed with becoming the Attitude Era as well, from nowhere, Von Wagner just turned on Kyle O'Reilly, because why the hell not? But this has happened to Carl so many times, he was ready for him, and he absolutely walloped his ass. Turns out this is going to lead to a cage match between the two on NXT television come Tuesday. So that makes all the sense in the world. Let's say O'Reilly is leaving. Von Wagner can beat him in that. Carl O'Reilly can probably go to AEW, wherever the hell he wants to go. That's just how wrestling works. Oh, this is really good. As was Duke Hudson versus Cameron Grimes in a hair versus hair match. Like, it didn't get much time. It's not really something you need to go out of your way to see. But it was a fun 10 minutes or so. Up. However, I do have one bugbear. And I would like to ask the question, why is it highlighted as such a disaster when somebody has to have their head shaped? There is nothing wrong with being bald. In fact, there are some people out there that choose to have this hairstyle and they live a perfectly fine and exciting life. So I just wanted to shout out all my bald brothers and sisters and tell them if you shine your dome, eventually you can call it hope. That doesn't work. I just want to stop the negativity around it. Hudson was super strong to start with as well here when Cameron Grimes finally stopped him with a cannonball. But that didn't work at all because the Duke just got back to his feet and he was grabbing Cameron and just throwing him around the place, including this Uranagi in the corner. I was like, man, I hope he doesn't have his head shaved because I actually think he gets his power from his hair. It was also pretty much Hudson for the duration of this match, which kind of did tip you off to what was going to happen in the finish. Because even if you've watched WWE for less than a year, you know what they love to do is, sorry, Dukester, uh, we need you to take the L on this one, but what we're going to give you back is 98% of the match. To follow on with that idea too, we also had Hudson get a visual pin here because he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up and he would have got the three, but the referee saw the fact he was holding the ropes, so he broke it up. So this, of course, meant a few minutes later, Cameron Grimes hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, and he held the tights, but the referee didn't see it, so now we have a spot of controversy which can steer the story onwards. As ever, Hudson didn't want to have his head shaved. And I was like, man, this is just an absolute disgrace to my people. And there was a barber's chair there as well. I love this. I love the fact that all professional wrestling companies have decided if we are going to give someone a haircut, there has to be the appropriate sitting device. Grimes just hit him with a cave-in though in order to knock him out temporarily, put him in this seat and take off a bit of his hair. But then halfway through, Duke Hudson woke up and he legged it. So one, he'll either magically turn up on NXT TV with zero hair or have a really strange haircut 
both are fine. That's the point. You make the heel look stupid and we all go, ha, ha, ha. But not me, because I understand. At this point too, I do want to make it clear that NXT is trying to introduce way too many people. Because in between every match, you basically got around about 68,322 vignettes for just a bunch of wrestlers that are going to debut sooner or later. And I couldn't keep up with any of these. I mean, one dude was just quoting lines from The Dark Knight. I'm not even joking. He was like, oh man, NXT isn't what I want. It's what I need. I don't know. The point is, if anybody from WWE is watching this, you need to tone it way, way back. I can't even remember any of their names. It was Cruiserweight title time next as Roderick Strong was taken on Joe Gacy. I want to be that guy, which of course means I'm going to be that guy. I don't really like this story. And then once again, it's probably because I'm comparing it to past NXTs, where it was literally two guys going like, oh, I'm going to rip your head off and do terrible things to your deceased body. Whereas here, Gacy was just like, I think the Cruiserweight division shouldn't have a weight limit because it goes against inclusivity. Imagine you try to do that at boxing, the commission would be like, no, we have weight limits because we don't want to see someone die in the ring. That's quite hard to buy into all of this. It also didn't go much more than eight minutes and it just felt like it could be on NXT TV, even though I do think Roderick Strong is great. Gacy was also doing his whole, oh, please give me a hug thing. Because apparently that's what we should be doing in 2021, even though it's not. So Roderick Strong smacked him in the mouth and eventually they were fighting on the apron and Gacy just smashed him in the chin. This then tied into our previous match because Joey basically got in control and he was just whipping Roderick Strong's ass which meant that the veteran in this case was going to win. Once again, it's probably a telegraph technique that WWE should drop for a little while. As Harlan and the Diamond Mind were on the outside as well, they kind of kept interfering here and there until Gacy took them all out with a dive. But there was also this really weird bit where Harlan basically picked up Ivy Nile as Gacy was all like, no, don't do it, don't do it. And he got back in the ring and he hit Roderick Strong with a powerbomb. We only got a two. All of this kind of did surprise Gacy though, because eventually he walked into the end of heartache and Roderick got the one, two, three. And once again, there was nothing wrong with this. But when I watch NXT pay-per-views, I just expect a certain something, something. I sound like a stuck record now, but I want you to understand my feelings, especially because I'm giving it a down. It was then time for our main event, which was War Games match number two. And I've already let you know my feelings like some kind of Jedi about how I feel about having double stipulations on the same show. But clearly we had left a lot so the men could run a little bit more crazy. And no, it wasn't good as the last one we saw what, six, seven months ago, whenever the hell it was. But it is going to get it up. There was also some really good storytelling between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano here. We'll get to that in just a sec. And they were teaming up with Pete Dunn and LA Knight to take on the new NXT, I suppose, of Brombreaker, Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, and Grayson Waller. I also thought that the bad guys were completely unlikable during all of this. So that's a round of applause for them. If you're acting like dicks and you come across like dicks, and I can point at you and go, man, what a bunch of dicks. Well, you're on the right path. Gargano came out to his rebel heart entrance music as well. So honestly, right now we are all stood here trying to figure out what the hell he's going to do. But as I do have somewhat of a platform, I want to say what an incredible innings and what service this guy gave to NXT. So whether he stays or whether he goes, he deserves all the praise in the world because as much as people do celebrate him, he's even better than that. He also started things off with Carmelo Hayes and sooner writing the letter. <laughs> this insane sunset bomb because I don't call him Johnny Wrestling for nothing. And by the time Grayson Waller got in there, I was like, yes, this is how it should be because these two teamed up. They kicked Johnny Gargano's ass. 
I like Johnny Gargano, so I was rooting for him. Go, go on, Johnny, you can do it. Johnny, sometimes you just have to keep things simple. Pete Dunne was in at number two for Team Black and Gold, and you all know the deal with Pete Dunne. He is an exceptional professional wrestler, and really, sit down and think about this. When does he ever drop the ball? The answer is never. It's basically glued to his hands. Waller was still able to take them both down after he hit them with a couple of stunners, and this was great timing because then Tony D'Angelo was in there, and he was like, wait a minute, we're having a War Games match, and I know when there's a war, we have to have some weapons. So he basically made up for lost time, and he introduced all of them. It was around this point, too, when Dexter Loomis appeared under the ring, which meant he had been waiting there for a good old time, so he's a freak to trace away Chick Williams, who, yes, had basically been interfering in the entire thing. It also led to me cracking up because LA Knight followed all of this, and he wasn't able to get in the cage because the bad guys had locked the door. <laughs> really, it's really smart. Like, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, obviously, LA Knight just climbed over the thing because that's another way to enter. So it was a bit like the measurement line. He was allowed to run wild, though. He took out a bunch of people and it looked really cool before Brom Baker entered. Once again, he's got the intelligence because he got some bolt cutters and he just let himself in. He ain't climbing over no stinking cage. I mean, his name is Breaker, so he should be allowed to break things. And it's so obvious that he is NXT's golden goose because he was just destroying everyone. I mean, he picked up Pete Dunne at one point and hurled him over the top rope and he made him look like a child. And I checked him on the internet. Pete Dunne is in his 20s. He did this again when he used Gargano as a human missile. And that's when Tommaso Ciampa came in as the last guy. The rules started. And my word, did things pick up. The best part of all of this then followed because Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano basically reunited as DIY. And they were doing a bunch of their old spots. There was wink, wink, nods, nods to some of their stories. And if you have watched NXT for a long time, somebody was probably cutting onions around you because this was a motion up the two guys. Do you know who stopped them as well? Ron Breaker. And much like earlier, he may as well have had a sign that said, yes, I'm a very lucky pup. WWE, give me a push. LA Knight then hurled Waller through a table in an incredible looking move thingamajig that you absolutely have to watch. And then everybody was using weapons and smashing everybody else in the face. When Waller climbed to the top of the cage and he hit this elbow drop through a table that was truly spectacular and truly wonderful. And I don't know how nobody broke their ribs. I mean, maybe they did, I haven't looked. Champer and Gargano were then running wild again, but they got cut off by a low blow and a poke to the eye. And I was like, yeah, that's always gonna work. And just after Tommaso had recovered and he was going for the fairy tale ending through a table, Bron Breaker appeared from the abyss and he just speared him through the wood instead. Bravo for that one, it looked great, especially because Breaker then picked him up in the air. He hit that military press slam thingamajig that looks like Goldberg, and he got the one, two, three. And I thought Bron Breaker was great to start with. But even if you've been on the fence, watching this performance, you would go, yeah, that dude pretty good. He also beat the NXT champion and the new boys were standing tall, which again has been the whole point of this thing. We're saying goodbye to the old NXT and we're embracing the new... I will say, I thought this was a decent main event. Very quietly, maybe not as good as the other ones we have seen, but good is good. This was good. And my favorite thing about NXT 2.0 is that when people like Bron Breaker, whoever else, do get called up, maybe Vince McMahon will actually use them, because of course that wasn't the case before. But look, if you have a spare two hours, 45 minutes, and you just want to see some decent wrestling, you could do a lot worse than this. But no, it is not the NXT you remember, but I'm still giving it an up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.